Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Nailed it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> all right, this is uh, Matthew West. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. Yeah, you are. Just I know. When they ask how you doing, just smile and tell them, never better. With a dimple. Line number two, everybody's life is perfect except yours. We're going to have a good conversation. So Get your Bible out. Okay. safe with you behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Truth be told, the truth is rarely told. Yeah, it is. I say I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, oh, I'm fine, hey, I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken, and when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not. And you know it. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it, when being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin, you don't already know. So let the truth be told. How many of you would like the truth to really be told, huh? And have it be okay. There's a sign on the door that says, Come as you are, but I doubt it. Because if we live like that was true, every Sunday morning pew would be crowded. But didn't you say church should look more like a the sick, the sinner and the scarred and the prodigal just like me Well truth be told The truth is rarely told Oh am I the only one who says I'm fine, yeah I'm fine Oh I'm fine, hey I'm fine But I'm not I'm broken And when it's out of control I say it's under control But it's people. Hey, good evening. Good evening. Good morning. If you're listening to the podcast, I know some of you do <laughs> at like four o'clock in the morning. Cause you send me email and you're like, Hey, I just listened to your podcast. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, just want to say hi. Hello people. Hope you're having a good day. Hope you had a good week. <clears throat> I don't know about you people, but it seems like this week went by really fast. <laughs> I'm just like, It's like I was just here. Yeah, I was. I was like here, like everything. So anyway, (laughs) Randall and I just got home from a Christmas party uh, that our church did. And um, so I have a lot of sugar in my body at the moment. So if I have more energy and then all of a sudden go, (laughs) 
and start to feel tired, then you know why. Just so you know. I mean, it is 8 o'clock after all. Uh, 8.09. Uh, yeah, and all that. But hey, what we're going to do tonight is, <clears throat> if you got your Bible, and which, by the way, I have to say this because I can, I have a text message list that I send out a trivia Bible question at, in, right? And today's particular question, I pulled from a kid's Bible trivia question thingy. See there, it says text Bible news to 33222. You see that down there? In order to get on my text message list, you got to text that to Bible news and then you can get the quiz. Text Bible quiz. news to 33222. Yeah. Then you get my really hard, tough trivia questions. Mm-hmm. So today's question I pulled from a kid's trivia Bible trivia question thingy. And the question was, <clears throat> what is the last book in the Old Testament? Because the last book in the New Testament is Revelation. If some of you were in arm's reach, I would whap you one upside your head. Because some of these answers that you guys sent, sent me, I'm like... Like, all you have to do is open the Bible, people. Open it to the very end of the Old Testament. And then you could get, you could look, oh, or you could look in your table of contents. Yeah, you could. Or you could probably Google it. What is the last book in the Old Testament on Google? <laughs> I don't know. If you, I don't know if some of you were like messing with me or what, but I'm like, oh my gosh, if you guys don't know what the last book in the Old Testament is, oh, we need to, we need to give basics here on the show because some of you really, I should just, you know, I mean, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I am going to tell you right now, the last book in the Old Testament is Malachi. Or if you're Italian, it's Malachi, depending on how you want to say it, okay? But anyway, the answer is Malachi, people. It's Malachi. Malachi was a little old prophet in the Old Testament, and he wrote a little book, okay? Often people think about the book of Malachi because it talks about tithing and stuff. That's usually all they know about the book. <laughs> and generally, you know, it comes right before Matthew. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are Gospels. Again, some of you were like giving me completely like, what is wrong with you people? Look, you have to read the Bible question if you're going to answer it. So it's just like, um, you guys make me laugh. But you also make me want, want to hit you because it's like, these are like super easy questions. Okay. So you should get these right. If you don't get them right, what is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, all right. So Malachi is the answer to today's question. Now you can go and text me that answer and then I'll feel proud of you for getting it right. If you got it wrong before, which some of you did. Some people, even who watch the show every day, got that question wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> you're messing with me. <laughs> anyway, okay, aside from that, though, <clears throat> we are going to look in the Bible, in the, in the book of Mark, we're going to look at a passage that deals with toxic religion and toxic, um, how do you deal with toxic people or toxic religiosity, and then Bareface is going to come in, and he's going to actually, um, he he is going to actually actually will actually go ahead and um <laughs> share a greater a greater deeper lesson from the lesson that we're going to talk about mark mm -hmm. yep yeah so, um, so bareface take it away and you can talk while well, i bring up the all right well i was going to say that uh if any of you said the last book of of the old testament as Chronicles, you would also be right. No, you're not not right. That's not the answer that I was looking for. I know. It's not the answer that you were looking 
It's my quiz. Oh. Hey, if people don't give the, the right answer, I'm the teacher. Kinda. If you don't give the right answer to the quiz question, then I'm gonna mark you wrong. And certain people, you got an F, because you flunked this one qu question quiz. I'm. I'm. Right. Yeah. I'm... This was an easy question. Like if I said, "What's the first book in the Bible?" The answer is Genesis. People. It even means beginnings. You find that at the right. front of the book. Better sheets. Because <laughs> it's actually the first word in the Hebrew scriptures. The first book. First verse. Yeah. All right, well. How many of you are watching Donald Trump's impeachment hearings, huh? Yeah, you are. Are they still going on? Apparently. Um, I don't know. I haven't watched one minute of it. I know it. this morning they were delayed until 10 a.m. I had. I don't watch TV. That's why. I'm trying to and teach it's, people it's, the Bible, like. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's funny as I'm there in the in the rec center in the uh -huh. fitness room, whatever they call it. I'm there on the semi elliptical machine. Uh, it doesn't mean it's well anyway. Um, it's it's a form of elliptical anyway. And I'm looking, and on one screen they've got CNN, on the other <clears> screen they've got Fox News, <throat> and then the lower third on the CNN says. Uh, uh started with soon uh oh uh soon uh soon house something will uh will vote on impeachment articles and then on the fox side it said that uh impeachment hearing delayed <laughs> so one is soon the other is delayed and so you know they're they're both true, but you know, just interesting to see the see the spin and and they they probably come from the same news source. You know, they're probably the same writers, you know, whatever press organization sends headlines to both outlets just to mm. just keep people preoccupied and, and divided and anyway. Hey, Barb and Jeff. All right, let's say some highs to people that can actually see the show. Barb and Jeff are over on YouTube and somebody else. I don't know who you are unless you say hi. And then um, I know Mia and Angie and a couple other people who I can't see. They're over on um, Wanda. She's there. Laurent, somebody is there. Um, anyway, some people are there. So thank you for coming in. I know a couple of you are on Facebook. Uh we're on Facebook, right? Yes. Yes. So hello to on Facebook people. If you're on Twitch, hey, thank you for coming in, gamer types. If you're on Mixer, you rock. Yeah, you do. Uh, so there you go. Hi. Did I say hi to everybody? I think I did. All right. So this is what we're going to do today. How many of you have ever heard of the parable of the, the wicked vine growers? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, if you read the Bible, you probably have read the parable. But today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about toxic religion and how it applies to Mark chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, open up to Mark chapter 12, or you can watch it on the screen as Bareface. Actually, we'll pull it up in there in a minute. Um, and I wanted to bring this up because I was just having a conversation with uh with some ladies and you know look we have if if you and and i actually saw this actually in a local facebook group i'll back up so there was a lesbian couple who posted a uh, comment in our local facebook group they wanted to find out if um there was a local church that would accept them as a couple coming in and they specifically said in their post, please no mean remarks or something like that, whatever. And I thought, you know, I thought about commenting, but I thought, no, I'm not going to comment. I'm going to read the comments instead and see what's, see what's being said. And, and of course, all the churches that were listed were, will now be one that I would never recommend anybody go to because they would be advocating for something God calls um, an abomination and unholy unnatural um and all this but through the comments 
there were like comments that said things like anybody who wouldn't accept you in their church is not a real Christian. You know, anybody that says homosexuality is not acceptable is a hater and a bigot and, you know, and just the, the typical rhetoric and stuff. And so, you know, we, we see often in the culture that we have people who, who have a form of religion or a form of godliness, like this talks about in, I believe in James or somewhere around there, um, but there is no power thereof. And I believe today, and this is just my belief, you can agree with it or disagree with it. That's your choice. But I do believe that today there is a big false church out there. And I believe that there is a little remnant of God's real people out there. And I judge the, you judge, you, you judge behavior. You, you are as a believer, you are called to judge. You know, people misquote Matthew 7, 1 all the time. It drives me nuts because they don't know what they're talking about when they say, judge not lest you be judged. Oh, let's just take that out of context and not even understand the context in which it's written, which is another study for another day. We are to judge rightly within the church. We're not to judge outside the church. Okay. So here's some two lesbians who want to come inside the church. They want to be welcomed in the church. They want their lifestyle, their behavior, their sexuality, all to be affirmed by the church. Any church that does that is an unbiblical church. First uh, Corinthians chapter five basically says, kick those types of people out of your church. The sexually immoral people are gone. Boom. Now that's not a popular teaching today. Um, but I believe that that form of religion is toxic. It's completely toxic. And people who talk about Jesus all the time and they're like, well, Jesus is welcoming everybody and Jesus does this and Jesus does that. And Jesus loves everybody and Jesus advocates for this. Blah, blah, blah. Jesus does blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Most of the time when people say that they're full of crap because they mm. don't know what the hell they're talking about. <gasps> and <laughs> to the hell? I know. I know, but it's true. And if you don't believe it, let's look at this passage in Mark chapter 12, because you're going to see some stuff and this morning as I was reading and through this and praying and, and just asking the Lord for, you know, his word and stuff. I saw this. I was like, I have never heard this passage taught. Um, so let's look at it. Okay. So Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter 12, beginning of verse one, Jesus, this is Jesus. Okay. And it says here, and he began to speak to them in parables. Who was he speaking to? He was speaking to the religious leaders of that day. He was talking to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, the Herodians. He was talking to all the religious folk, kind of like today, if you would put together the Pope and all his cohort and all those people and the Jewish rabbis and all that. He was talking to all those who like to be seen outside with their robes and they like to pray long prayers. He was talking to all those people when he said this. So in verse one, it says that he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a wall around it. And dug a vat under the wine press and built a tower. And he rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey. First of all, I want you to notice there's five things that are mentioned here. There's the man who planted the vineyard. Okay, so this is the man, the owner. Okay, he planted the vineyard. He put a wall around it. He dug a vat under the wine press. He built a tower and then he rented it out to vine growers. And then he went on a journey. So technically he going on a journey is the sixth thing. But there's six things there, right? Then at the harvest time, okay, the harvest, keep that in mind. He, he sent a slave to the vine growers in order to receive some of the produce of the vineyard from, from the vine growers. Now, who sent the slave? It was the owner. Remember that. The, the owner not only owned the vineyards, but he owned slaves as well. So he sent the slave to the vine growers in order to receive some of the produce of the vineyard from the vine growers. What does that suggest? It suggests that the, the vineyards had produced some fruit, okay? And he wanted the slave to come bring back fruit 
to them. But then verse 3 says, they took him, who, who they took, the slave, and they beat him, and then they sent him away empty-handed. Why? Because the vine growers were evil people. They didn't want to give any of the bounty of the fruit. So in verse 4, so again, he sent them another slave. Who sent another slave? The owner of the vineyard. And what they do? They wounded him in the head and treated him shamefully. Nice people. Um, and he sent another and that one they killed, and so with many others, beating some and killing others. So again, so here we have an example of the owner sending out numerous people, slaves, to go get fruit from the harvest that's there. But the vine, the vine, the vine dressers, the vine, the people who are wicked, the vine growers, they're like, nope. Why? Because they wanted to keep all the produce for themselves because they were greedy, money-hungry scoundrels. That's what they were. Um, so in verse 6, it says, He had one more to send, a beloved son, and he sent him last of all to them saying, They're going to respect my son. Okay, sound like anybody you know. But those vine growers said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. Again, so there's this topic talk of the inheritance. So they send the son and the vine growers, rather than have respect for the son of the owner of the place that they're renting, they're like, hey, now we're going to kill that guy. And you don't hear twice murder is mentioned, just so you know. <laughs> Killing a person is mentioned twice. They killed that person. They treated him shamefully. They basically kept the money. Now they sent the guy's son and they go ahead and kill him too. Or they, they wanted to kill him because they wanted the inheritance. So verse 8 says, they took him, they killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. And then verse 9 is key. It says, what will the owner of the vineyard do? Okay. Now just... I'm not going to finish reading that, but I want you to think about this, okay? Because in the context, what we're talking about here is we're talking about the prophets that were sent to the religious people. And the religious people are the vineyard. The, they're the evil vine growers. That's who the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the Herodians of the day, the religious people of the day is exactly what Jesus is talking about here. He's aiming this parable at the religious folks of the day who hate him, okay? And so what would the owner of the vineyard do? Here's the response. He will come and destroy the vine growers and he will give the vineyard to others. Now, I don't know about you, but people who say that the heavenly father, it's all just about love. That's what Jesus is all about. You know, that's true. God is about love, but he's also about justice. And he does not let religious abuse or anything of the type go unchallenged or undealt with. So we'll continue to read in verse 10. So it says here, have you not read this scripture, the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and it is marvelous in our eyes. And then they were seeking to seize him. And yet they feared who? The people. For they understood that he, Jesus, spoke the parable against them. And so they left him and went away. Mm-hmm. They did. So I was reading this this morning and I was telling Randall, I said, I said, this is amazing. This is an amazing passage of God's word because it really really cuts to the core of toxic religion. And um, yet so many way in so many times we talk about the idea of toxic um, religion or, or toxic faith as Steve Arterburn many years wrote a book about. Um, I think it was Steve Arterburn. I think that's who it was. Anyway, but we talk about toxic toxic stuff like this but i but we very rarely look at it in the context of what scripture talks about jesus was a very bold person and people who don't understand who jesus is they treat him as if you know his feelings don't matter 
and stuff like this. But I want you to see something else right after this. And then I want Randall to step in and and um, elaborate on this thing because it's actually, this parable is actually interpreted basically in the Old Testament. It's not clearly interpreted here like other parables are. But listen to this. Beginning of verse 13, it says, then they, then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to him in order to trap him in a statement. They came and said to him, listen to this. This is what the religious leaders said to Jesus. They said to him, teacher, we know that you are truthful and you defer to no one for you are not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. And then they go on to talk about the, the tax issue. I want you to see this, though, because I want you to understand that the religious leaders of that day and the multitudes in particular, they knew who Christ was. They knew he was somebody who was truthful. Jesus was known as a truthful person, right? And anybody who likes to misquote Jesus is not a truthful person, but even these haters of God got that he was truthful. Number two, that he was, that he deferred to no one. In other words, he didn't answer to anybody. He didn't answer to the the leaders, the religious people, the temple. He didn't answer to anybody. He deferred to nobody. Number three, he wasn't partial to anybody. So a lot of these people in church, you know, especially in the book of James, we see the hierarchy that's laid out there that James will talk about talking about how, you know, many people in the synagogues and churches, you know, well, let's sit, you know, let the rich people sit up front, the poor people sitting back. And, and, you know, you see this hierarchy stuff. It drives me nuts when I've gone to churches and I see the big, um, the, the chairs on the, on the podium or the, the, the stage or whatever, and they have the garb on and, and they got the deacons and the so-called fake apostles or whatever the hell you want to call them. And they're all up there and they're deferring because they're the super superior spiritual people up there. And you got the, the widow who makes nothing sitting in the back corner under a tent or something. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's like they treat people like crap, but you know what? God doesn't. He shows partiality to no one. He doesn't care. In fact, Jesus, when he confronted the rich, run, rich young ruler, you know, he didn't care. He didn't care that the guy didn't have any money or had money, rather. He cared more about his heart and all that. So, <clears throat> so Jesus isn't partial to anybody. But it also says here, but he teaches the way of God and truth. So I, I want to point that out because people who say that Jesus is a coward or they only attribute like him as being light and fluffy and loving, they really don't know who he is. You know, Jesus was a courageous person. You know, he he had an authority that bothered the religious leaders of the day. He knew God's word inside and out. He understood it in such a way that those who studied it for a long time under the law couldn't get it. And he was, he it's almost just, like he wrote it or he something. He stunned them. He completely stunned them from like 12 or whatever. He was such an awesome, like order. People were drawn to him. He was just a magnet. You know, I mean, the Lord, Today, how he's depicted by people like Joel Osteen and other false teachers is nothing like the God of Scripture here. Um, and so I just want you to get a real picture here because because this Jesus of Scripture is going to come back someday and judge this world in a very cool way, in a very powerful way. And I hope you're on his side. Um, and that you're not part of a world of toxic religion, which is what most of the pablum out there is all about. Randall? That's me. That's you, bareface. So, yeah. So, so you want to add on and then do this? Because I really sure. want people to look at this not from an emotional, psychological way. I want people to see this word from God directly and who he was, who those people saw him to be. And yet, what exactly he did with that parable to the religious toxic people of that day? Yeah, if, um, you know, a lot of, in the Gospels and in the Gospel of Mark, which is the shortest Gospel in length, 
Mm-hmm. It's common when we see the Lord uh, delivering a parable, there's often a, an interpretation of that parable, be the parable of the soils, or the Lord is saying the kingdom of heaven is like, and it's clear what the things mean uh, in this parable. This, this parable is not giving, given an interpretation because it doesn't need one. Uh, little little uh, lesson here. Uh, New American Standard, let me bring up this scripture and let's see, let me show the uh, pointer here. See, so you can get the pointers there. All right. I guess I could have highlighted anyway. Uh, but a, a con- conventions that the New American Standards and, and many English translations use, uh, when you see something in all uppercase characters here in the New Testament, that means it's an Old Testament quotation. That it's quoting something from the Old Testament. And it's clear here, have you even read the scripture, and it's from Psalm 118, uh, when Jesus quotes uh, from Psalm 118. In fact, uh, nearly 70% of the recorded words of Jesus are allusions to or direct quotations of the Old Testament. Uh, Just so you know, that was for free. Uh, You know, in the past I've said, you know, my favorite uh, Bible verse is in Second Corinthians chapter five, uh, verses fourteen fifteen. But I'm really beginning to like Luke twenty four verse twenty seven, uh, when Yeshua Jesus is talking to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and it says, beginning with Moses, and uh, in all the prophets and in all the writings, or it might say in all the scriptures in your translation, uh, graphene in the Greek. Uh, basically, that's the the Hebrew scriptures are known among Hebrew speakers as the Tanakh. That is an acronym made up the uh, Hebrew letters uh, Tet, Nun, and uh, Kof. Uh, and what those stand for, the acronym Tanakh, is uh, Torah, the Law, um, Nevi'im, the Prophets, and Ketuvim, the Writings the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. And so when Jesus, uh, beginning at Moses, or the Torah, and in all the Prophets, and in all the Writings, showed them the things uh, concerning himself. So in all the Old Testament, um, she was there, the Lord is there. And that's, anyway. So those who would downplay the importance of the of the Old Testament, it, it frustrates me because, yeah, it's essential to understanding the New Testament and and who the Messiah is. Anyway, so so all caps. That's an Old Testament quotation, and let's let's go with that. Uh, start there with other things I wanted to say about conventions in the um, in the. Um, in the text, but so the the Old Testament quotation it's from Isaiah chapter five, and uh, let me. Whoops, I was going to put in the. Um, oh, I can't even spell here. <laughs> I'm typing in on the fly. You'll see it on the screen, but. You know, I just wanted for consistency if I roll past the top of the page. Um, I want you to see where we're at. This is this is sort of like live television people. Anyway, okay. So, Isaiah chapter 5 here. Song of the Vineyard. Uh, now I will sing to my beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. Okay? My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it in, and gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest vine, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a wine press therein. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. It's exactly what, and um, well, it says here Luke thirteen, but right. also exactly. find it in Mark. Yeah, yeah. This parable 12. is actually mentioned in a couple of places. Right. Yeah. All right. So, and he looked that it should bring forth grapes. And it brought forth wild grapes. 
Now, the contrast here, well, aren't grapes grapes? Well, no, grapes are not grapes. There's, there are grapes that you plant and cultivate, you know, and you trim the vine. Think about John, what, in chapter 15? You're the vine, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and the ones that don't, you know, bear fruit, or, or the ones that bear fruit are pruned, etc. If you ever talk to a, a vine dresser, you know, a vintner, they can tell you about growing grapes. I can't, but... Uh, the grapes that are purposely grown are cultivated to be of a certain quality versus the ones that just grow wild. Um, anyway, so it, he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. They were still grapes, but they weren't what he was looking for. Um, he wanted quality grapes, but it was wild grapes. They looked like grapes, but the quality wasn't there. It says, and now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. Well, what's the vineyard? We're going to find out. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to, I will tell you, that I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste. It shall, be not, it shall not be pruned, nor digged, nor there shall come, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. Here we go. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts, another Another um, thing here. In the Old Testament, we see Lord in all caps. That is the, the personal name of God, also known as the Tetragrammaton. That, uh, that is, it's made up of four consonants, yod He vav He. Uh, some people try to pronounce it and say Jehovah, some say Yahweh, but we don't know the translation uh, because it's uh, considered the name that's too holy pronounced so anyway for the vineyard of the lord of hosts is what is the house of israel and the men of judah his pleasant plant and he looked for judgment but behold oppression for righteousness but behold a cry and then it goes on to pronounce woes upon that vineyard and the vine so no no interpretation of the parable in the New Testament because it's there in the Old Testament. And then, you know, the vineyard was the house of Israel, all of Israel. The vine was the, the men of Judah, you know, that southern kingdom. And... And they're seen as, as renters uh, both here and in the... Uh, basically, God has provided the vineyard. He's built the vineyard. He dug it out. He built the tower. He built the wine press. He provided all this and said, basically, here, uh, tend to this, you know. And he and he looked at the vineyard that might produce grapes, you know, good tasting, cultured, good grapes. Uh, but it produced grapes, all right. But <laughs> wild grapes, um, uh, you know. You know, from a distance, they might have looked like grapes, but it wasn't what he was after because it wasn't, they weren't grapes as, you know, per his choosing and instruction. It was theirs. And so Isaiah, of course, wrote uh, before the fall of the southern kingdom, the fall of Jerusalem to Babylon uh, back in the day. And so it was because of their, well, yeah, just because they weren't producing good spiritual fruit. Uh, he took away the hedge, you know, the hedge of protection, which allowed uh, the Babylonian forces to come in and conquer uh, conquer Jerusalem. And, you know, well, the southern kingdom at first and the last standing of the central capital of Jerusalem. And so going back to, going back to Mark chapter 12... Here is a repeat. Um, the The religious leaders were well familiar with the 
analogy in Isaiah chapter 5 of the vineyard. And hey, here's the same vineyard. Um, he rented out to vine growers and he went on a journey. There's been, there's been, a, there has been a lapse of time uh, between the last prophet of the Old Testament, um, Malachi in terms of chronology, and the last of the prophets, John the Baptist. But anyway, we went on a journey and it harvest time here's another uh convention printing convention in english translations anyway words in <clears throat> italics there's no corresponding word in the original language they're inserted there to try to make sense of it in an english sentence so if you look at greek it would say something like and at the time and so the translators have chosen harvest time um, but I think that can be, that can be misleading because we might think of, you know, the final, you know, judgment, uh, that Messiah that Jesus talked about, you know, at the end of the age, but the word there is time, uh, Cairo in the Greek, not like the Egyptian city, though I wonder if the Egyptian city has a similar etymology. Anyway. Um, it just means the right time or the perfect time. We find it in several, the word used in several ways in the New Testament. Um, Peter talks about the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the perfect time of the end. And, and, and Paul talks about in the fullness of time. The idea is it's, it's, it's the perfect time. It's the right time. It's, uh, so it, you know, I I can see the translators using harvest because it's talking about going for grapes, and so that kind of makes sense. But but in in the original Greek text, it doesn't mention harvest time; it just mentions the perfect time, the right time, is the sense of this word, kairo, uh, in the Greek kairo. Um. Anyway, so we received some of the produce. We went through all that. Uh, but the but the point is in all this that there is this you know history repeats itself um, back in the day at the time of Yeshayahu Isaiah uh, God through him says okay you know I've created this vineyard uh, which is the house of Israel and you know to them were committed the oracles of God. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they were, you know, supposed to be that city set on a hill, a fertile hill and, uh, produce these good grapes and that didn't happen. And so he says, I'm going to take away the hedge and they're going to be <laughs> overrun. You know, everything's going to fall and they're not going to be there anymore. And it's going to withhold the rain and there's going to grow instead of grapes, there's going to be thorns and briars. And, and that's what happened after the conquest of Babylon, the place was, you know, um, and we read in the the post-exilic prophets like uh, Nehemiah. Uh, we look at those and Ezra and Nehemiah and coming back to the destroyed Jerusalem and rebuilding Temple and all. We see what the condition of the place was while they were gone, while they were 70 years plus in exile. I mean, they're only 70 years in captivity, but it took a while for the subsequent generation to actually come back into the land. Anyway, so so that was happened then because of unfaithfulness, because of producing something like grapes, wild grapes. Uh, they were, you know, it was it was substitute things for the things of God. It's like it, it looks like uh, we're being religious. They were being religious instead of relational. Uh, they'd taken the things of God and made them their own. <coughs> Um, I think of uh, uh, Jeremiah as as he writes, and uh, I'm trying to think, is it chapter 7? I don't know. But basically uh, tells the people there in Jerusalem, you know, do not say to yourselves the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these, uh, that, you know, they were under the impression, well, because we have the outward trappings, the temple of God is still here. But, you know, so, so we have, we're right with God, even though we're, 
you know, we're worshiping Baal and <laughs> doing human sacrifices and burning incense to the gods and stuff. Hey, the temple's still standing, so we're still his chosen people and whatever. No, no, just, you know, having, having the, you know, the implements of accoutrements of, you know, having religious thing doesn't make you right with God. And so, so they would have been the religious leaders of in the first century would have been familiar with what happened before when Isaiah describes, you know, God describes through Isaiah the vineyard and, um, <laughs> it describes the vineyard and what happened and taking the hedge away. And so Messiah comes along and he's saying, Hey, here's a repeat. Um, you know, uh, man planted a vineyard. Probably the same things, you know, this Old Testament. I'm, I see that hand. Well, I just <clears throat> thought I should let you know we got like 10 minutes left of the show. Yeah, and we so... Sh we should probably thank our sponsor. We should. <laughs> Go ahead and do that. <laughs> Let's thank our sponsor. <laughs> Ariel Ministries. Hey, they're our sponsor. Yeah, they are. And, and you know, if you want to learn more about the Bible, you could go get their stuff in the, on this very topic. Yeah, you can. Save 20% or 30% depending on, you know, when and where you go. But regardless of when you do that, you can use the coupon code Bible News at least through the end of this month that we know of. So... Go to Ariel.org. Yeah, go there. I think if it's like last year, they had a year-end 30% uh, sale. Yeah. The last it, time it, it was if you spend $30 or more, you mm -hmm. get 30% off. And I think it might be the same this year. I can look on the website right now while we're talking. So I think the 20%, you know, if you're buying less than $30 worth of stuff, then... You yeah. can save 20%. Actually, that's what it says. Purchase $30 or more and receive right. a 30% discount on items in the store. Uh, it does not include Ariel online courses. No. Which, by the way, if you... Nor does a coupon code. Yeah. So, but if you do want to take any of Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum's courses, they're be... very good. Um, if you like what Randall teaches or, or you know, whatever, then hello. Arnold is... Yeah, where he learned most of his stuff. So. Yeah, I've I've read him more than any other author. It's, it's good stuff. And you know the thing about Arnold that I really love. I mean, aside from the fact that you know one of the things you know a lot of Bible teachers today will get into the you know the politics of the day and the prophecy and blah blah and they'll do, and there's you know I mean there's a place for that, but Arnold does not do any of that. Right. He strictly. Sticks with the word of God and he exposits it. That's that's exactly what he does. And and, and I, I when you're learning to... from a Jewish teacher about a Hebrew book, oh. it just seems to it just makes so much more sense. All right, just just one last thing to right, uh, wrap this up, and that is. You guys have any so, questions? By the way, hey, if you have any questions or comments, let us know if this is interesting to you, if you got something out of it. Because I know it's not my normal show that I usually do with news and headlines, but we, we think it's important, you know, to look at this stuff. So just let us know what you think, okay? Okay, similar to uh, what happened before mm -hmm. uh, with only the outcome is different. Mm -hmm. Again, the, the vineyard which is the household of Israel. Um, the Lord is desiring good grapes. It hasn't happened. And in fact, you know, the prophets come, they mistreat some, they kill others, etc. And he tells them, finally, you know, he's going to send his son and they'll kill him and toss him out of the vineyard. Exactly <laughs> what happened. You know, he was crucified outside the walls of the city. Anyway, except before, uh, before the conquest of Babylon, Isaiah prophesies God's going to take away the hedge and basically going to be overrun. Only something's going to happen different this time when they reject the sun and throw him out. What? He will come and destroy the vine growers and he will give the vineyard to others. 
what is the vineyard but that what was growing grapes and and you know the, the fruit God give it vineyard to others um, and so uh, for a season that is what has happened in in the church age and you took it away from those religious leaders and gave it over well to other Jews which was the early church um, who were also Jews but you know that and it was also spread to Gentiles. You know, the gospel went to Gentiles. And um, so, anyway, the the whole thing is is that tradition is, is deadly and, and religion is deadly. Religion can be toxic when... Yeah, it can. When, when, you know, your ways that seem right in your own eyes um, are substituted... For what God has really said okay. and continues to say. So, and I, you know what, I really appreciate you. Um, I take, appreciate you too. Taking the time to elaborate all that. Because, that, you know, I learned something new. You know, this week I shared my Bible time with Bareface and I was like, I got a question about this. Hey, that should be a new, new program, Bible time with Bareface. <laughs> I like the alliteration. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we could do that. Well, but so anyway, the but here's the thing. I mean, my husband teach teaches me stuff all the time, but I sometimes teach him stuff too, which is kind of amazing because he's so so smart. But um, tomorrow night, four p.m. Central Time, we are doing our show tomorrow night at four p.m. Central Time. Uh, just so you know, it's only a special change. We're we're coming on early because we have a commitment in the evening. That interferes with our normal show time. It is that time of the year. Christmas parties are happening and stuff. So so we thought, well, should we do it later or earlier? And we opted earlier because, well, because we wanted to. So tomorrow, if you want to join us at 4 p.m. Central Time, <laughs> that's when we'll be on live. Uh, and don't forget also, if you, if you really benefit from our show and you want to sponsor, you want to sponsor the show, sponsor our show or become a, uh, pillar of the community um we we greatly value um that support um you know you, you can donate to us anytime at our website biblenewsradio.com forward slash give um also legal shield and identity theft protection uh that is still something that i encourage you to get and consider i actually um, was very blessed this week. I, I spoke. This just shows you how God. So I spoke this week uh, on Wednesday. I uh, had this whole presentation prepared. And I was thinking I should just prepare, like show it to you guys at some point. Um, but I had this whole presentation prepared, the PowerPoint and all the stuff didn't work when I was supposed to be speaking first thing in the morning. <laughs> I spent like five hours putting it together and I'm not exaggerating because I put graphics together and, you know, and then my thing didn't work. Needless to say, I was a little irritated, just a little bit, but you know what? It worked out because some of the people at the, at the networking meeting I was at, one of them signed up for a, a full membership and, um, and I, I will tell you something. Part of the reason they signed up, aside from the fact that they needed a lawyer and some other stuff, but what, and, and I bring this up to make a point, is part of the reason they signed up was because I've been consistent in coming to that networking group for the last six months, okay? And, or, I don't know, it's been a while. I don't know if it's been six months. It's been a while. And they've, they told me, they, they're like, hey, you know, we've had a lot of people from Legal Shield come in and present Legal Shield, but stay one or two times and then they're gone and this guy literally said to me he said but you have stayed and you're probably planning on staying I said yeah I'm definitely planning on staying I'm paid to be a member of this group so of course I'm going to stay um, and so what I want you to know is that when you sign up with me I am not going to abandon you as the person to sign up with you like the guy did who signed me up initially he didn't even follow up with me I was just like, what? I want you to know what you get. And in fact, one of my friends who has been a, a publicist that has worked with me for 15 years, practically the whole time I've been doing my show, she actually signed up this week as well. 
uh, because she understands the benefit. And actually, when she, when I was signing her up, I was telling her all the stuff that she gets. She goes, I had no idea it was that much for 25 bucks. Are you kidding? I'm like, I'm not kidding. This is a great thing. And so I just want to throw out one thing. If you are not aware, um, if you sign up for Legal Shield this year in December, you will be covered in the event you get audited next year for this year's taxes with our IRS audit assistance. Um, I just had a friend, another associate, she shared this a couple days ago on our call, that she was audited this year. And the IRS, uh, at the end of the, the thing with her, you know, her consultation with the IRS and stuff, with the attorneys, um, the IRS owed her money instead of her owing her money. Uh, after the attorneys got done helping her out, she got like 6,000 bucks back. Um, you don't know, you don't know when you're going to get audited. Lord willing, none of us get audited, but here's the thing. If you have been thinking about signing up for legal shield, um, and you're concerned about getting audited, if you sign up in January, you will not be covered for this year's taxes. When you put them in, in April, if you sign up this month, you will be covered if that happens. So that's just one thing. The other thing is identity theft is extremely rampant. It is, it's a bad problem and very few people are, are talking about it. And what I can tell you, having studied the issue for a year, a little over a year now, is that it's a bad problem. You don't want to have this problem. You want to have your stuff monitored. And most people, they think, well, you know, I got AAA and I have a little identity theft protection there. No, you really don't. You are not having your social security monitored. You're not having your address change thing monitored. You're not having your social media monitored. I mean, you're not having anything except really your credit card bank, which is that's already monitored anyway. You're not really. So, um, don't let identity, don't let all these breaches, the average person has 10 breaches already that have happened to them. Don't let another breach impact you. Okay. So just be wise, just be wise and get the service and protect yourself. That's my plea to you. Not because I'm trying to get rich because I'm not yet. <laughs> I'm doing this for the residual income like 10 years from now. Um, I'm building a base of people that I want protected and, um, I want you to be part of that. So, uh, if it's something you've been thinking about, about, and you're on the fence, get in touch with me and we can talk about it. If you happen to be one of my associates watching this, one of the things I want to encourage you is to actually start telling people about the business and educating them and letting them know what gold there is. I'm going to tell you how easy this is to sell. Because yesterday when I finally got my hair cut after almost a year of not having it cut, if you're looking at me and there's something different, yeah, my hair is shorter, just a little bit. You probably can't tell as much as me, but I went in, I was talking to the salon owner, didn't even know it was the owner until she asked me what I did and I, I gave her my LOJ card and um, she literally said to me, she said, I need this just for contract review because I have all these stylists in here that sign contracts, I need this just for that. She goes, I wanna sign up tomorrow. That was today, by the way. Um, I didn't follow up with her today yet, but I did follow up yesterday and she's busy, but I'm gonna get in touch with her. And she need this is something she needs and she realizes that as a business owner. So um, if you're a business owner, it's we have business coverage. So just, you know, get in touch with me if you're interested, okay? Um, and last but not least, um, you know, Thanks for supporting the show. I know our social media outlets hide the show. We're believers. They hide the stuff. They, they do. And I was telling somebody tonight, if we had thousands of dollars, we could easily put this show all over Christian media. We are not in Christian media. Um, you know, we're not on the Christian media platforms on purpose. We're trying to find people who need the Lord, right? <laughs> so do us a favor and, you know, share the show out if you, if you like the content, you, you think it can help somebody, then please just share it out and um, let God use your sharing as a way of scattering seed and let God deal with the harvest. Okay.
Of course, any show feedback, you can send to BibleNewsRadio.com or Twitter. You know, you can get in, you know, touch with me through email or Twitter or whatever. Um, Twitter is probably not the, the best place to get in touch with me. Usually it's Facebook Messenger or email. So, or join my text message list. Okay. All right. So with that said, I feel the sugar making me tired, people. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so we're going to sign off, but we'll, we will be back tomorrow at 4 p.m. Central here for our Saturday edition of Bible News Radio. So we'll see you then. Remember, be bold like Jesus was. Stand up like he did and go with God because he loves you. And uh, don't ever forget that.